We're carrying on through the book of Luke. So if you want to be turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, um, you may notice I kind of wear this jacket just like all the time. I did have another jacket, but I think someone stole it. I don't know where it is. It's blue. It's got the little badge, the little mighty warrior badge that like and it's gone missing that doesn't surprise me well we're a similar sort of build so it probably would fit Tosin really well but yeah so I don't know I don't know where it's gone um if you do see it though it, it happened a long time ago I should have announced this ages ago but I was hoping it would, just, I was hoping it would be found but uh in Luke chapter 18 um the title of our lesson today is Open Eyes. Open Eyes. Um, first preached a great sermon last Sunday, um, again looking at Jesus and his encounter with the rich young ruler, um, and just showed us that God wants our heart. He wants us all, not just some rituals, not just some behavioral change, but he wants our heart. Um, and then shortly after that, Jesus predicts his death for a third time. And if you can remember, the disciples are confused. They still don't get it. They've been with him for almost three years now and they still don't get it. I kind of get encouraged by that because I think there's a lot of stuff I don't get. And, and it's encouraging that Jesus doesn't give up on them. Jesus doesn't say, look, I'm done, really. Still not now. Jesus is so patient. And so Jesus is continuing his journey on through Jerusalem and, and he's coming. This is basically his last week before he'll be crucified. So we're, we're getting right to the end. We've, you got, we've been going through Luke well before I got here. I think you've been doing it for like two years now. We're getting near the end. We're almost there. It's, um, but amen. It's, Luke's awesome. So, um, But yeah, so if you want to t- turn your Bibles in Luke chapter 18, and we'll start in verse 35. It says, As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, which yeah, I've cheated a lot of people out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost amen uh, powerful scripture and so again the theme 
for today is open eyes. And we kind of see this throughout. We see a person who literally wanted to see. He was physically blind. And then in the second passage, Zacchaeus also wanted to see. And so he climbs this tree. And so this idea of having open eyes. And I think we'll see that, that Jesus in this passage also had open eyes to be able to spot these different opportunities. Um, but our first point is shameless seeking. Shameless seeking. So Jesus is approaching Jericho. And it describes this, lar- this large crowd going by. And this was, this was quite normal for a... Uh, a village in the Middle East, when a person of honour was coming through, the town would actually go out and meet them and escort them in. Escort them into the town. And, and the popularity of a guest could be determined by how far out the people would go and meet them. So if it was like 10 feet, you're not that great. Some people would, it's being known that people would travel 10 miles out of town to go and meet a guest and bring them in. Someone of great honour. And we have sort of similar things today as well. Um, I don't, I'm assuming the British do this. In Australia, when, when the Australian Olympic team comes back, everyone goes to the airport and, and even they'll let sort of the special people to the plane as they're coming down and everyone's there to welcome them and these guests of honour. Or maybe it's, I know when, uh, when a team wins the English Premier League, they do like a big parade generally and everyone's out to see them and welcome them and no matter if it's raining or snowing or they, they go out and see them. This, this idea of, of, of honouring these special people. And I'm excited because I'm sure Villa will be there next year. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Um, yeah, anyways. Uh, but again, this, this sort of attention, the fact that the crowd are going out to see him, this signals that, that this wasn't just them going out and saying hi, but, but this was them welcoming him to Jericho. And there would have been a banquet prepared for him. There would have been a feast ready, saying, please stay, some, uh, stay a few days. Teach us. We want to spend time with you. And again, we have similar things as well. When uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, when they'd been travel around, they, they were in Fiji, actually. Which you, some of you guys may have known this. It's my wife's from Fiji. They were in Fiji. And, and they got there and there was this big banquet. They brought all people together and celebrated and everyone was so excited. And, and, and Tia's parents actually got to go. And this is a photo of them just... I don't know if I'm hitting that right, but anyway. Just there, sort of... They're not, yeah, they're not, she's not actually talking to them, but it looks kind of like that. <laughs> but it's pretty cool. They got, to, they got to meet her and stuff like that, and that's pretty epic. Yeah. Guests of honour, and, and if, if, if she, they had rocked up at the banquet and said, thanks, but we're going down the road to a different restaurant, you wouldn't be excited. You'd be like, what's going on? There's a lack of respect, and this would have all been prepared for Jesus at this moment. As Jesus enters the town, though, there's this roadside beggar. And, and he, he hears the commotion. He can't see. He hears the commotion. He thinks, what's happening? Who's coming through? It's Jesus. He's passing through. And it probably would have been said with a bit of disappointment. Yeah, Jesus, he's just passing through. I've got this banquet prepared, but he's just passing through. And the roadside beggar guy, who most likely, in Mark 10, he's most likely Bartimaeus, but it doesn't say that here, but most likely he is. Um, he's just fired up. He, so what does he do? He yells out. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd say, 
Jesus, yes, please, come and, and, and help our friend over here. No, that, more likely, well, not more likely, they tell him, be quiet, but like the literal translation would kind of be like, shut your mouth. Like, shut your mouth, roadside beggar. This was a ghetto place, and so they use the lingo like that. But, um, but again, it's, it's kind of like when famous people come through town. You, you, the town tries to clean things up. They don't want them seeing beggars and prostitutes and, and, and all this sort of stuff. They know we want to give our best. We don't want Jesus to remember our town by this beggar. And so the, keep quiet. Keep quiet and... Um, and it was a similar thing, even in Sydney, uh, the church would sometimes go and feed the homeless in the city and, and you would give them breakfast uh, on a work day, but you would have to get there at 4am because come 6am, the police would come through or police or more like, uh, I don't know what the council workers would come through and, and clear them. They weren't allowed to be there as everyone was coming into work and you think, wow, the way people are treated and that's just let alone royalty coming through. And it was really sad to see the way Society treats us, but it's, that's the way it is, and it's similar to here in this text. But the beggar refuses to keep quiet, doesn't he? It's, in fact, it says he shouts all the more loudly. He calls out, and, and right here, and, and, and Jesus stops and notices him. And right here we're reminded that, that we can never be so caught up in what we're doing that we miss opportunities around us. You think Jesus is one week out from the crucifixion. One week. All that anxiety, pressure, focus on the mission. He's not even stopping in town. He's, he's, he's going straight to Jerusalem. But yet he takes time to stop and engage with this blind beggar. He, he always had his eyes open, looking for opportunities around, looking for people who were in need. People who were seeking him. He was never so caught up in what he was doing that he didn't see the needs of those around him. And then in, in chapter 19 with Zacchaeus, he, again, he's not caught up so much with the crowds, but he notices Zacchaeus up in the tree and he calls him down. Jesus always had his eyes open. What about us? What about us? How often do we get caught up in, in all the things we're doing, which, by the way, doesn't rank with being crucified, but yeah, I know we're busy for sure. That, that we get so caught up in our own world and we miss so many opportunities around us. And we wonder, where are all these seeking people? I pray for it every day. They're there. We just don't have our eyes open. And Jesus is such a great example of that. That nothing would distract him from helping those in need. And I think we can definitely get caught up in that. I know I can. This is, I, I feel challenged by this. I even just... I, I even even in my street in my neighborhood I find I'm generally in the street as I'm heading places and so I'm kind of I see someone and I'll be like hi but I'm like oh, I've got to go somewhere and, and I don't take time to engage in the in the supermarket I don't don't take time to engage this idea of just getting to know Jesus would stop and get to know people he always had his eyes open looking for those who were seeking him Let, let's follow that example, and there was a great example. There's a brother in in Australia and uh, in the Sydney church, and he's a surgeon. I think he's I don't know what type of surgeon, but he does like knee replacements and stuff like that. So, anyways, you guys might know what that is. But he's a surgeon, and and, and it's amazing. It, that's you're a busy guy when you're a surgeon. That's a stressful job. And and but there was a patient who who needed a knee reconstruction, 
Um, but he saw, okay, this person not only needs a knee reconstruction, but needs a relationship with God. And he reached out to this, this elderly woman, and she ended up coming out to church once she could walk again. And she ended up studying the Bible and becoming a disciple. And it's just, it was a great example of, of having eyes open, as in the busyness of life, having our eyes open. Having our eyes open. And, and the great scripture is John 4, verse 35. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. There are people everywhere in need. Physically, spiritually in need. We just need to open our eyes. Um, and, and, and secondly, this under this idea of shamelessly seeking, I think, uh, is this idea of, of us shamelessly seeking God. And again, because what was it that got the attention of Jesus? It was, he shouted all the more. And so he called out and then he shouted out all the more. And basically the Greek word is basically like a scream. And it almost like has like connotations of like a yelp, like almost like an animal screaming. He just, he didn't care what people thought. He just wanted Jesus' attention. Just this shameless, he just wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to know Jesus and Jesus stops and asks him, "What do you want?" And it's kind of like um, to see, of course. But why does he ask this? Well, back then, it, this guy, especially when you were a beggar, you 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 needed some obvious uh, dis- disability, either one arm, one leg, or being blind. If you didn't have that, you you weren't likely going to survive as a beggar. But not only that, but, but someone who was blind, they, they don't have any other skills, any other marketable skills, any other uh, occupation, no employment record. They don't have any other way of making any money. That's why they're in this position in the first place. So if you heal a guy who was blind and he has no way of actually making any money, what is he going to do afterwards? So there kind of was a bit of a... a a cost account here for this guy. How badly do you want to see? Are you willing to give some things up? And obviously this guy's like, yes, I don't care. I want to see. He was shamelessly seeking God. He was willing to give anything up for that. And we see that because he wasn't just in it for the physical uh, miracle, but, but he followed Jesus, praising God. And then Jesus enters Jericho and, and he sees Zacchaeus and this tax collector. And we'll get into this a little bit more in, in the second point. But, but Zacchaeus, a grown man, he, he, we see him running, which in Middle Eastern culture, you don't do that as a grown man. Even that would just be shame enough. But then he climbs a tree. A man who supposedly is, is high up climbing a tree. This would be shame that would last a lifetime. This would follow him around his whole life, this shame. But again, he's, he's shamelessly seeking Jesus. He, does, he wants to see Jesus. Again, what about us? If you're not a Christian today, what are you willing to do to seek Jesus? Are you willing to go anywhere? Willing to do anything? How badly do you want to have a relationship with him? There'll be no regrets. There was no regrets from Zacchaeus and, and the blind beggar, was there? They just left in absolute joy, rejoicing. There'll be no regrets for whatever we have to give up to really seek a relationship with him. And those of you who who already are disciples, are we still shamelessly seeking God? 
I think sometimes we can think, well, I'm a bit more sophisticated now, a bit more wise of the way I do it. And we can kind of, I don't want to come across too zealous. Amen, let's be wise, but, but are we more ashamed of Jesus than, than we're in awe of wanting to get to know him? Let, let's, let's make a decision today. Let, let's seek God shamelessly. And this leads to our final point, here and now. Here and now. Uh, the story of Zacchaeus is, is amazing, really. It's an amazing story. And, and I think we, we sometimes overlook it. And I know I have because I always relate it back to when I would read like the children's picture Bible. And it's got like Zacchaeus like up in the tree and it looks all so fun. And you're like, oh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Jesus stopped and, and there's the, the Kids Kingdom song. Do you guys know that song? The Wee Little Man. Do you know that one? No. No? Oh. I've written the lyrics down. It's basically... I just, I'm just worried about getting roped into the worship team, so I don't want to, I don't want to sound too good. They might... That's not going to happen. This is going to make sure they cross my net. But Zacchaeus, it says Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Uh, what is it? Zacchaeus, a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and says, Zacchaeus, you come down. And there's some other lyrics. I forget the other lyrics. I haven't written them down. But it's so cute. It's fun. And you're like, wow, this is great. But... But we don't really understand really what Zacchaeus was like. That in fact, it was probably, it should have been more along the lines of Zacchaeus, you foul, Zacchaeus was a foul and repulsive man. A foul and repulsive man was he. And up his cloak, everyone could see. And I'll explain that in one minute. That'll make a lot more sense just in one second. So just hold that thought. But Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he was a chief tax collector. Which meant that he was, and he was a Jew as well. And it means he was part of the, he was part of like the Roman side. And, and really let that sink in that, that he, he, was, he was teaming up with the Romans to betray his own people. And he was getting rich out of it. Anyone who's, their family's gone through war-torn times and when there's a traitor to the, uh, like a betrayer of your country, that, that doesn't get forgotten quickly. In fact, sometimes you people dislike them more than they actually dislike the enemy. Because they expect more of them. And, and so he was this fellow Jew who was just sucking dry Israel of every resource they have and giving it back to the enemy and keeping some for himself. The, the community weren't fired up about this guy. They, they would have hated him. And then in verse 3 and 4 of chapter 19, it it says he wanted to see Jesus, but, but he was too short, and so he couldn't see over the crowd. And, and he just sort of, I always read this, I'm like, oh, poor guy, he just can't see. But if, it was the fact that he was short and hated. That's why he couldn't. If he was short and honored, they would have, oh, there would have been a lot of respect. Oh, c- come on in. We can see over you. You can't see over. Come on in. But they're not going to make way for him. In fact, they probably use the opportunity to maybe give him a couple of elbows in the head or something like that. Like, he might have left that encounter dead for all, like, the opportunity of a big crowd, we could actually, like, finally get him. Like a prison sort of, I don't know. It's, it could be something like that. But he wants to see Jesus so badly that he does those two things that I said before that, that are so shameful. The fact that he ran and the fact that he climbed a tree, these things that would have, have followed him wherever he went. But there's most likely another element to the story as well that 
that would have brought even more shame to his name. And it's this idea of, in, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 26, it talks about when, it's right after the Ten Commandments, and it talks about when they build an altar, and it says, uh, it, it's a bit intense, but anyway, do not go up to my altar steps, or your past may be exposed. This idea of, of they would wear long robes, and so don't go up high, otherwise it may get a little awkward. And so unless, unless Zacchaeus has taken all this time to, and I've shown you this picture before, to gird your loins, unless he's done all that sort of stuff, which, to be honest, if he, if he didn't want to miss the opportunity of getting to see Jesus, he probably didn't have time to actually do this. There's a good chance he just raced up that tree wanting to see Jesus. And so people got, a, yeah, a little bit more than they paid for in this circumstance. This wouldn't have been a pretty sight. But again, just the shameless seeking of, I, want, I'll do, I don't care what people think. I want to see Jesus. So, so now he's not only this disgusting man because of his job and the fact that he's a betrayer and that he's run and that he's climbed, but now he's up a tree and, and potentially exposing himself. Just the, the shame that would have come with that. And just what an odd sight it would have been. He's in this Fickamore sig tree with lots of fruit. And, and there he is. This disgusting, putrid piece of rotten fruit himself. That's the way they would have seen him. That's the way they would have viewed him as this rotten fruit. And, and yet Jesus stops and picks him. Jesus stops and says, I know there's all these crowds. I know they've got a banquet prepared for me. but And I'm actually not even going to go to it. But I will stop for you. The, the, imagine the, the impact around. And as we read how it says they started to murmur, we understand what that must have been like now. Don't, like, yeah, we probably would too. It would kind of be like, um, I don't know, the, the English football team. Imagine if like now it popped out that, that one of the English players was actually like giving his, like, all the plays and all the tricks to the Croatian football team. And that's why we lost. Hmm. Oh, man. Or, or you found out he was even... And I think we kind of know who the traitor is, actually. <laughs> Wait, sorry, no. I've skipped ahead here. It's him. Don't you think? Like, I don't, has he ever scored a goal? Like, I, I he's a traitor. I don't know. I think he might be a traitor. <laughs> I actually really like... I really like Sterling, to be honest, but he gets a bad rap. But, but imagine if all of a sudden he got... He found out he was a traitor, but he, he got honoured for it. And the Queen knighted him and called him Sir Sterling, and he would you'd be furious, wouldn't you? And then you even imagine, you know, if, if the Queen all of a sudden made a decision, I want to be benevolent and I'm gonna actually start releasing a bunch of murderers. I'm just gonna you you're forgiven, go. You'd be furious. Why? What are you doing? And that's what some of this stuff would have been going through their head as they're seeing Jesus do this. Jesus picked this man, Jesus, come, Zacchaeus, come down and he states his name. What honor that is. And here we see this idea of this, the power of the call, the power that this call has on Zacchaeus. And I, I was trying to look for a British example, but I couldn't find one. There's this guy named Chester A. Arthur. I'd never really heard of him, but he's an American politician and he was known for uh, being very corrupt. He's a politician and he was basically 
taking Americans' money, but he had so many connections that he paid so many people off that he was protected. Um, and, and basically, uh, he'd, he'd done so much bribery that he'd worked his way up to being elected vice president. And you had this dude that everyone knew was corrupt, but he'd managed to get to this spot. And, and, and shortly after, the, the president at the time actually was murdered. So when the president gets killed, who becomes president? The vice president. And you can imagine what people were thinking. We've got the worst president in history. And history seems to be repeating itself. <laughs> but they thought, oh, this dude is like outrightly corrupt. We, we clearly see it. And this guy's going to be our president. But the crazy thing was, was that as soon as he got the call, he like cut all his ties to all these uh, corrupt fellow politicians. And he actually became one of the greatest reformers of corruption in the United States. You think, oh my goodness, what was it? Well, he even stated, he said, he explained that, um, he was stated saying, well, I was called to the vice presidency by so-and-so, by this person. But I was called to the presidency by God. He's, he, just the power of the call, of the responsibility. He's like, what am I doing? I need to change my life. Wow. It catapulted him into repentance. And we, we too have been called by Jesus. Oh no, not me. I wasn't picked. No, you were picked. Second Thessalonians 2 verse 14. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Each of us were picked. Each of us were called down out of that tree. And, and it's amazing that he, he didn't just call him down, but, but he wanted to stay at his house. He wanted to have dinner with him, rejecting everyone else and having dinner with this man. Just the, the mind blown. He's at the, peak of his, he's at the peak of his popularity here. And, and, and he's risking all that for this, this guy Zacchaeus. And you can just imagine the crowd just thinking, what? Are you si-? He is literally the least amongst us. He's the worst person in this whole city. Like, if we took a vote right now, we'd all come together and say, yet the little midget Danny DeVito up in the tree exposing himself, he is the worst. What do you... How, how could you do that, Jesus? How... How could you call him? And, and, and we, we wonder that as well. How? How could you do that? But, but for us as well, we, we were in a similar spot. And I'm, I'm sure if people were around us at the time, maybe they were like, man, I don't know if this person's going to make it. Like, it, we were in the same spot as well. But we were no accident. Christ called each and every one of us when we're at our very lowest point. Romans talks about that as when you were still a sinner. But, that, but when you become a disciple, that's not your status anymore. Jesus doesn't see you as that, that rotten fruit. We, we need to not underestimate the difference between the before and after picture of, of Jesus picking us. Of Jesus picking us. And again, you, I can imagine them saying... how. This isn't fair. How could you do this, Jesus? And, and, and the reason, like, how could he call Jesus down from the tree? How could he call Zacchaeus down from the tree? Well, because in a week's time, Jesus would be going up onto the tree and taking his place. 
He called Zacchaeus down because Jesus would be going up. And it's the exact same for us. He can call us down from that tree, our, our life of sin, of, of humiliation, of insignificance, of insecurity. He can call us down out of that because he went up to the tree and he took our spot. He chose us. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And what, what power that had on Zacchaeus and what power that should have on us. Zacchaeus, he shouts out, here and now, Lord. Here and now I give up half my possessions and, and I'm not just going to give back what I've, I've wronged and I'm not just going to give back the standard 20% extra, but I'm going to give back four times as much. I'm going to give back 400%. To people I've robbed. What transformation Zacchaeus experienced? And really the question for us is, what's your here and now? And no, it wasn't just back then when he became a disciple, it, it should be every day. What is our here and now? For Zacchaeus it was, I'm ready to go, I'll give all I need to give, I just want to be with you. And in fact it was the fact that he was with him that he decided to do that. What is it that God's put on your heart where, where you're just bursting, just here and now, I, I, I give up this. Here and now I'm going to do this for you, God. And I think for me, I, I just look back at, at my life and it doesn't take much, but you, just looking back at the deep insecurity that I had. And the more, I think as I grow older, I, I realize more and more how insecure I really was. And just how, like, I really just cared what every single person thought. Every single person. People I didn't even know, just walking the street, I wanted them to think I was cool just by the way I walked. Like, it was just just so crippling. And I was just so, I didn't care about anyone else, really. Maybe, obviously, my family a little bit, but really, the focus was on me and myself. And just the 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 rotten fruit that, that we all were. And I look back, and pornography, just a daily addiction. And just my Christianity, just a lukewarm sort of, yeah, I felt comfortable and secure because I knew some facts about the Bible, but, but there was no life-changing effect on me. And the fact that... And, and you, we all have our own stories, don't we? Things that, that we were before. And Jesus picked us regardless. And, and we need to have that here and now moment again and again. Again and again of, of here and now, I, I'm going to live for you, God. Not, not to gain your love, but because you love me. That, that we don't really get grace if we're not transformed by it. If our life stays the same, we truly haven't got what Jesus did for us on the tree. What is your here and now? Uh, decide today. If you say tomorrow, it'll never happen. Decide today. This is, what, this is my here and now that I'm going to do. This is my here and now. And as we, we take the bread and the wine for communion, let's, let's reflect on this. Let's, let's make a decision to have open eyes to those around us in need. Let's, let's make a decision to shamelessly seek a relationship with God. And as we take the bread and the juice for communion, let's reflect on, on all the ways that we've been called down from that tree. Let, let's, let's realize we've been picked by Jesus. And let's not let the cross have no effect. What a shame that would be. What a waste that would be. But let's, let's each make a decision here and now. And let's go forward together, church, with open eyes. Amen. Amen.
Let's pray for the bread and the wine. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for the fact that we know you, God, that that you, through all the the suffering and pain that that, that you had to go through, Lord, all the the challenges and so much of it, God, yet you, you always stayed so focused. And in times of your deep struggle, you went to God so often to, to stay the course. When it was so tough, you could have easily given up, but you, you didn't. Oh, Lord, I just thank you so much for that, God, and um, for, for the fact that, that your son was so steadfast and that, that he took time to stop and, and reach out to those in need and that he's done that for us. That, that he's, he's reached out to us, God. And I pray we, as disciples of Jesus, can, can follow in his footsteps to not be so consumed with our lives, but to, to, to keep our eyes open for those in desperate need around us. Lord, I just thank you so much that you picked us when, when we were at our worst, that there's nothing that we could have done to, to make you want us anymore, Lord. But I just pray that we can have that heart that shamelessly seeks you, God, that, that seeks you no matter what, that... That when, as, as we realize and as we, we contemplate the fact that we've been picked by you, God, that you just let that transform our hearts, God. That we can have our own here and now moment of, of, of a decision that we want to live for you. That, that your, your sacrifice is, is what's transformed us, God. I thank you so much for that. We are not worthy. We never will be. But I just pray that we can let that transform our hearts, God. And I thank you so much for this body that you've given us here in Birmingham just the, the brothers and sisters of all the different lives we've had and all the different places we've come from, and you picked us and brought us here, God. I pray you can continue to, to add to our number to help people see the, the impact of, of your, your sacrifice on the cross and that it can move our hearts, Lord. I thank you for all you do for us. I pray that you can just open our eyes. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.